episode 40, chapter one of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lambert. And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today, we're talking to Pastor Alan Baker of Journey Pastoral Coaching. Alan is a graduate of Miami University, Oxford, Ohio, and the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary in Springfield, Missouri. He's been in ministry for 39 years in the United States and Europe. During those years, he served as a lead pastor, assistant pastor, missionary, evangelist, professor, college campus pastor, and pastoral coach. He's also the author of two books, Those Who Turn Worlds Upside Down and When the Call Comes, A Funeral Guide for Pastors. In 2014, he launched Journey Pastoral Coaching, a ministry whose mission is helping young ministers build strong for a lifetime of healthy and effective ministry. One of the greatest temptations we face is the desire to be more than we were created to be. It's the desire to be as great as God. And for many of us, that even happens in the way we try to live as followers of Jesus. It could be that we think we have to grow and develop our way under our own power and by our own abilities. It's an isolating experience, but thinking we're alone or that we have to somehow figure out how to live as disciples by ourselves misses the very thing God created us for in the first place. He made us for relationships. In short, if we're going to be serious about creating a lifestyle of discipleship, we have to be serious about walking with others in that lifestyle. In this chapter, our personal friend and pastoral coach, Alan Baker, talks with us about the value of relationships and why we often miss or ignore this important part of our discipleship. All right, Pastor Alan Baker, uh, tell us a little bit about what Journey Pastoral Coaching is. Journey is a coaching community. It involves not only myself, but uh, a great group of uh, ministers across the spectrum, church ministries, marketplace ministries. We have Christian counselors, uh, missionaries, the entire spectrum. Uh, it began over five years ago. I had a, a vision, a dream, a heartbeat, really, if you will, to help young ministers not only survive, but, but thrive in ministry. I was concerned that we were seeing a great need for new ministers to rise up, but we were seeing at the same time a lot of young ministers, quality young ministers, not making it. The old 5-10-5 rule that says 5 out of 10 new ministers drop out in the first five years. And so it just was on my heart to do something about that. And I reached out to uh, young ministers, invited them to join a coaching community. Initially, it began with a conversation just with me, but since that time, we've strengthened it. And we now have a peer coaching component that's so strong. I'm very, very proud of that. So Journey exists to give young ministers a chance to walk with a more experienced minister like myself, but equally important to invest in other ministers, young ministers, and be invested in by them. So we're a coaching community that exists to help young ministers build strong for a lifetime of healthy and effective ministry. And it's just been over five years now. Awesome. I know, I know. So Chris and I have had a long relationship with you. Both of us have been your, uh, I don't know. Did you ever have a class with him at uh, CBC? No. Oh, you missed out. Chris, <laughs> I, I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a class with, with you and, uh, both Chris and I have been a part of journey pastoral coaching now for the last 
four years, five years, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Not quite the full time that Journey's been around, but quite a while. Right. Um, and so we, I know, I know both of us have gained a lot from this ministry personally. We've talked about it a few times on the podcast too, that really this component of walking with others in the Christian life and not, not just the Christian life, but in ministry as well, uh, has been invaluable to us. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, though about how this value of walking with someone else uh, became such an important part of what you see the Christian life to be? I know it's an important part of ministry, but why is walking with someone else, uh, period, in the Christian life uh, such an important thing to you? How'd that come about in your understanding? Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, oddly enough, it was a realization, I think you'd have to say, um, I was raised in a setting with strong coaches in my life. My parents, my grandparents were very involved with my life. There was a strong relationship. It wasn't all vertical. They were very much involved with me. Uh, My life was important to them. They made that very evident to me. After I came to faith in Jesus, then my pastors became involved in my life. It was, it's all that I knew. I did not know that people did not have these relationships. I had family, I had friends, I had my, my pastors, and I had older brothers in the faith. In fact, I just lost one of those older brothers in the faith about, about a month ago, and I felt it very, very deeply. It took me back, and I remembered uh, all the times we had shared together, the investment he made in me. Well, then when I went into ministry up near Chicago, I was again surrounded by peers and by older ministers who went out of their way to invest in me. They cared about me. They asked how I was. They would call me. They would check on me at uh, various ministry functions. And I was just, again, not aware that there wasn't another way of doing life in Christ, life in family, life in ministry. Uh, Even my state level uh, superintendent, uh, the assistant would check on me. And again, I just thought that was how it was. I then went to a small town to pastor, and in that small town, uh, 2,000 people, I became a part of what I call the Montpelier Seven. Montpelier was the, the name of the town, and there were seven of us. We were all from different denominational backgrounds. We began to meet once a week from 7 a.m. to noon for prayer and discipleship. We would walk into a church the same time. And no conversation, really, go right to the altar and wait for all seven to be there. Then we would simply go to prayer, and we would not stop praying until the Spirit was finished calling us to prayer, if you will. And then we then met the rest of the morning around the shared fire of Jesus, and that led to conversations, just doing life together. And again, that just became normal. But then the realization hit me when I moved into a ministry situation where there were no one, there was no one around me that wanted that. I thought that all ministers were that supportive, wanted to share their lives in Jesus, and I was quite surprised to find myself in a place where that wasn't available. So I think I kind of came at this from the back, if you will. I always had this in my life, and then later in ministry, it wasn't there. And I felt that lack maybe more deeply, more profoundly, and I, and I craved it all the more. So that's how this really became important to me and to my life. What do you think it means to walk with someone else in the Christian life? What does that entail? Well, first of all, it means walking with Christ. Uh, um, that's the the point. I always point the Emmaus disciples there in the book of Luke as they're walking together. Jesus enters the conversation and everything changes. 
they had been sharing their despairs. They've been sharing their questions and their doubts. And they were brothers. But when Jesus came in the middle, everything changed. So to walk together really centers upon Jesus. That's in fact, that's the first value of journey pastoral coaching is having a, a life centered in Jesus Christ. And then my goal as a brother to you um, in this relationship is to help you come into a place where you're living your Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, creation and call is my firm belief from scripture that even before the world existed, God knew you. That's what he says there in Jeremiah one, five, God says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, I'd placed my hand upon you and I had appointed you unto nations or we could say unto people. And so then God brings me into your life. God brings you into my life so we can help one another fulfill that creation and fulfill that calling. We can come more deeply into Christ. We can come into a greater sense of uh, our, our meaning, who we are in Christ, what our purpose in life is. We really find ourselves, if you will, in Christ. So sharing the journey is all about coming into Christ. It's about helping others find uh, who, they're, who they are in Christ, coming to live out their, their creation, their calling. That's kind of a, a brief look at it, if you will. Okay, so for me... Like one of the biggest struggles that I've had uh, was that I grew up in church and I don't know, maybe it's just a Midwest thing, but here in the Midwest, it's kind of like a uh, do it on your own mentality. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like for me, I went all the way through high school, you know, you keep up this nice front that says, yes, I've got this, this Christian life thing all together. I've got it all figured out. And then for me, that kind of continued through Bible college through seminary a little bit. And then I had this moment uh, where everything kind of just fell apart. Uh, why is it that we can't do this by ourselves? What is it about walking with someone that is so necessary? It's how God formed us, I believe. Uh, from the scriptures, I think we see that. and go to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter four, I think it is verse nine, two are better than one. He tells us when God formed humankind, he made the male and the female. We see relationship uh, emphasized time and again. And I think primarily it's an expression of, of God himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. As they walk in unity relationally together, God expresses himself forming us in his image. Therefore, just as he is one with himself, he calls us to be one with others around us. Uh, that's how we express God's fullness to the world. That's how we come into God's fullness ourselves. I'm always intrigued. Uh, uh, Jesus, as son of God, came into the world, and he was fully God, fully man. A uh, little theology there, of course, but uh, <laughs> fully God, fully man. We don't fully comprehend that, but fully God. He is Lord over creation. He is Lord over all those whom he's created. But then we see him living by his own rules of creation, you might say. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's fully God, and he chooses to walk as a man in relationship with others. So he's teaching, he's healing, he's delivering, he's working acts of power, but he's also then calling out 12 apostles to go out for him in ministry. But as he does that, he doesn't just send them out from them, he also walks with them as a man. And so we see Jesus going to a wedding with them in Cana. We see Jesus taking them with him to dinners. Uh, we see him just walking down the road with them. And then, of course, at the Last Supper, he looks at them and says, I have greatly desired 
to share this moment with you. And I, I think that we, we lose the emphasis upon that word you. He's looking at 12 men as he says, I have greatly desired to have this moment with you. Out of all the people in all the world I could share this last Passover with, before I die, I want to share it with you. I want you. I even, shall we say, need you. And then that very night, of course, goes to Gethsemane and asks them to share his, his moment of pain and suffering with them. So Jesus, Lord of all, comes to mankind and says, I'll come among you as a baby, grow into manhood, and then I will walk with you in human relationship. And so for me, it's God's creation. It's how we were formed, but it's also then Jesus showing us that as God himself, Trinity, he walks with himself, but then as a man, God walks to us and walks with us, showing us that's, that's how he's formed us. It's like he He um, gives us these manufacturer's uh, designs or, or, or blueprints, if you will, that he comes and shows us how to do it. So I think it's our formation, and Jesus shows us the way. So why do so many, especially pastors, not live out a lifestyle in community with others like that because oh you're right. And, and I think most people would at least attest to the theology that you've just uh, articulated so well, right? That we see relationship from the beginning, even, even if we look at the very uh, essence of who God is, right? We see him as a Trinitarian being three persons in one. People will say that's, that's relationship from the very beginning. So this seems right. like right. this would be, the foundation of what we do as ministers that then would hopefully trickle down into the rest of the right. community of, of the body of believers. So why is it that we don't see that happening? Yeah. Well, I'm more qualified to speak for my generation. My generation, in many ways, we were taught to do it alone. We were taught that the ability to do it alone was almost a, a proof of your calling. If you couldn't do it on your own, you weren't called was something we sometimes heard. So I think it was a generational thing. Very American too, guys, I think. Very American. If you go to other uh, countries and cultures, it's the inverse. Life really is, church really is, discipleship really is community. So I think for my generation, it was very cultural, very very much the, the norm at that time. Uh, I do think it's changing somewhat with your generation. I think that you have a greater sense of the biblical instruction manual on this, but the temptation is still there. Um, I think we still feel a need to prove ourselves, that we are competent. I know when I began in ministry, suddenly I was the answer man. People were coming to me with questions about marriage. They've been married for 15, 20 years, and I've been married for a year. And you know, you've got to somehow prove that you're qualified. It's very mm -hmm. difficult to put pride down and, and say sometimes, I don't know. It's hard sometimes to refer to others. So we just kind of, I don't know what you want to call it. I don't want to call it hypocrisy. I don't want to call it putting on a face, but you think you have to do that for their sake. And at some point you realize you're not sufficient and you start to go to brothers and sisters in ministry and ask for help. So I think it's an insecurity. I've often said as a pastor, I say this as a pastor, someone who has wrestled with this himself, I think insecurity is a, is a big, big part of that that answer myself. Uh, we're too afraid to admit that we're not sufficient. So that's my thought. Yeah, no, that, that that's really good. And I think a lot of those same sort of feelings end up filtering down to our generation, as you say, the millennial generation. Um, but and and I think that might be it, it might be a stereotype or maybe a syndrome that's 
perpetuated because of maybe the lack of uh, your generation. If we'll, we want to pit the generations against each mm-hmm. other, which we don't right. like to do. Right. But sure. so like, like I grew up wanting to be coached and mentored. Um, and I had some great people in my life for sure. Like a hundred percent that poured into me and, and, and taught me, uh, really, really well. Um, but there was, I I guess it was never like a formalized relationship. Like the relationship that like you and I have is a very formalized coaching relationship. And that brings with it certain perks, if you will, that, you know, I can reach out to you, you can reach out to me. There's like, there's that agreement that we have with each other, especially for you to speak into my life. Um, and then for me to be open and honest and vulnerable with you. I'd, I'd say then for our generation, the reason why maybe it doesn't happen as much as we would want is just because we haven't seen it demonstrated mm-hmm. and modeled as much as we would have wanted. Good point. And yeah. so I think that's what's so powerful about what you're doing with Journey Pastoral Coaching, because number one, it scratches an itch that we, again, in our generation, we desperately, desperately want. But then you're also providing training and a framework for us then to be able to pass that on to others around us. The earliest disciples used to refer to their commitment to follow Christ as the way. For them, it was the way of God, the way to salvation. It encompassed their entire lives, and it characterized their relationship with God as a journey. The way was not simply a belief system, like a set of doctrines to be memorized. It was a way of life that was lived with others in the kingdom of God. Our life with God is not meant to be lived in isolation from others. This is what step three in how to create a lifestyle of discipleship is all about. And coaching becomes an excellent tool to make this happen. A coach is someone who shares the journey with us and helps us come more fully into Christ. They help us become more of who Christ is calling us to be. So what do you think your life would be like if you had a coach walking with you, cheering you on when you needed encouragement, and listening to you as you processed the difficult issues of life and helped you realize your identity in Christ. Take some time to journal about how your life would be different if you had a coach in your life helping you come more fully into Christ. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. Find out more about Alan's work, check out journeypastoralcoaching.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation where Alan helps us understand the value of coaching relationships with someone older than yourself. If you want to step to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. 
You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 